Welcome to a fresh episode of Canton Bound, the NFL side of our Campus to Canton podcast. Coming to you from a new town home. My girlfriend and I are renting. Uh, excited to be in the new digs here. But as always, I'm Colin. And I'm Austin. And can I just say I feel so refreshed today? Like the weather was beautiful. I ate lunch outside on our new patio. Uh, we went for a nice little two-mile walk when I got off of work. Uh, and I'm just in a great mood today. How about you, Austin? Uh, yeah, I'm in a really good mood. Um, I just said screw it and stopped working at 5 o'clock today. And I went outside and uh, I grilled for myself. I made a couple hot. I mean, I made a couple hot dogs. It wasn't, you know, I didn't <laughs> Not the fancy, fun, but hey, but still grilling. I just hung out outside and uh, smoked a cigar and had a couple beers. So I haven't had a cigar since mm, probably like October. So it was nice to, you know that have that season rolling back around here. Yeah. I saw you, uh, I saw the tweet there with you out on your deck with your Trogues joyous IPA and that nice cigar. If um, you're not, if you don't post a pic of your cigar and your beer, like, are you even having them? I don't know. So. No, I don't, I don't think so. I think you have to, you have to post nowadays. Yeah. Anytime you drink anything, especially white claws, but I mean, I know we're not <laughs> huge white claws guys. We're more beer guys, but anytime you drink anything, you have to post it nowadays. Yeah. That's that's my you know my, my life motto I think. So. Yeah, yeah. So with the uh, with the weather getting up there, getting getting better nowadays, you're gonna pop out onto the uh, old deck, smoke a cigar. Frequently, oh, every, probably yeah. every weekend at least. You know, dur- during like you know the, the summer when I'm not working all the time, I usually do like two cigars a week. Um, so yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll be out there and. Just loving life, you know. It's the it's the little things. Yeah, yeah. I know you. Uh, when we went up and visited this summer, uh, you know, you uh, offered some cigars up to to some of us. Yeah, uh, did you I smoke know that's one? What, yeah, I smoked one, but I I'm not like a huge cigar smoker. I, I I'm okay with them. Like I'll smoke them socially, but I'm not going to smoke them by myself. Um, and I know Evan uh, uh, started getting into it a little bit after that trip up there too. I um so Evan bought his own humidor. I was gonna buy him one, but I yeah. like bought it. I bought him a ton of cigars to fill it with, and then I bought another friend of ours. Um, I, I bought him a humidor and uh, and filled it with cigars and shipped it to him. So I, nice. you know, I I try to get as many people into it as possible. So even if like I'm home alone, like I text somebody, be like, hey, let's smoke a cigar, and I feel like less of a degenerate. <laughs> was that Pat that you filled the humidor and sent it to? Yeah, he got engaged. So I was like, well, this is as good of an excuse as any to yeah. get Pat into this. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a good that, – that, he's a good person to get into it. I could see him getting pretty into cigars and stuff. He said his father-in-law was into it too, right, I think? Yeah, yeah. Like Alex um, dad was into it? Yeah, he he gives him – like he smokes a bunch of cigars with him and everything. But I – uh Wanted to get him his own stash. I think he was nice. just relying on that on on him to like give him cigars from time <laughs> to time. And I was like, that doesn't work. Come on, so you got to get into it. If you're you can't you can't half-ass it. If you're gonna do it, you got to get into it. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe one day. Maybe one day. Oh, you but... will. We'll get you. We'll get you there. Don't you worry. <laughs> um, all right. Well, we'll uh, we'll get into the the show here, um, and we'll we'll start off talking about the. Uh, Deshaun Watson news that's all over the place right now. Uh, we're not going to go too in depth here with it because honestly, it's just it's too soon to tell uh, exactly what's going on with this case. Details are still coming out. Um, details are kind of murky, and you know, so we're we're going to acknowledge it here. It's happening. Um, 
too soon to say for fantasy advice as well. So we're just going to touch on that here and move on uh, to to the free agency, which is also happening right now, mostly over, although there's still a couple names out there right now. Um, and I'll kick this one over to you, Austin. Who was your favorite signing in the free agency period here so far? Um, no news tonight. What's that? We're, no news tonight. We're not. Uh, we're, 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 we skipped the news. Okay, that's fine with me. I don't care. Um, my favorite free agency signing. Well, I have to say Juju, right? Yeah. Well, like, the free agency is part of the news here. That's, that's what I fair. Was that's fair. Um, yeah. I mean, I was happy that Juju resigned with Pittsburgh. I guess I haven't been on the show in like three weeks. Um, so <laughs> I haven't gotten to talk about this. So Juju's back. I'm so happy. I like called my wife and I was like, Juju's back. And we both, you know, geeked out a little bit on the phone. So that, that was my, my, that was my favorite, um, personal. Yeah. Um, that counts. That counts. My, uh, beyond that, I also love that nobody wanted to sign with Baltimore <laughs> as a receiver. Your brother's a big Ravens fan. So we were chatting today and I was like, I just love that all these guys are like, yeah, I turned down more money from Baltimore. Cause like, <laughs> I'm not going to catch any passes there, which I just think is, like I've never heard players be that like aware of a situation before and avoid it. So it actually kind of makes me hope that like Baltimore is viewed this horribly by all these guys. Um, but my favorite like actual signing was Will Fuller, I think, with okay. Miami. Um, who like I don't love Will Fuller, but I think he gives them something that they don't have on the roster already. And you know, they they get ten games out of him. I think he'll do well there. So yeah, well, I mean, you, you mentioned. Um... Nobody wanted to sign with Baltimore. I mean, you want to talk news? We got Sammy Watkins signing there, so you know, huge signing there. Everybody, uh, go rush out and get your Sammy Watkins shares. It would be really nice if that meant that they didn't draft anybody and just ruin their value. <laughs> like, because you know what that—that's what that means. The fact that they haven't signed anybody except for Sammy Watkins means they're going to draft somebody, and you're just praying that it's not a guy like if you play Devi or something that you already have, because then it just like totally just destroys them. Yeah, I mean. Uh... I don't know. I feel like a guy like I, I want to say Rondale Moore would be good there because they can kind of scheme some things with him. And plus, you know, he would bring just such a dynamic, interesting element to that offense that they just don't really have. Plus, then, you know, you're combining an Uber athlete with um, in more with an Uber athlete with Jackson and you have D, uh, J.K. Dobbins back there at running back, who also very athletic as well. So. I mean, that's just a scary offense just speed, from a speed standpoint if they did go with more. Yeah, I mean, I get the allure of putting a guy like that there. And I actually think, you know, a guy like Moore is probably the best bet for them just because, you know, it's. I just don't trust Lamar Jackson to consistently uh, put the ball in people's hands. And I don't think they, like, that's not their game plan either. You know, they're not going to come out and have Lamar throw it 40 times a game. So. I just I like I I don't want any of their receivers. I don't even really want Mark Andrews. Like I have I have Mark Andrews in the league, and it just that whole offense just scares me. Like I don't even I I'm probably gonna try to move him this offseason just because I I don't trust Lamar. And every once in a while I see like a tweet from someone or, or something saying, you know, well Lamar was like you know completed like forty eight percent of his passes downfield, but you don't hear anybody talk about that. And literally all it takes people is a quick Google search, and you you can just search. You know, any by any accuracy metric last year, Lamar Jackson was bottom third of the quarterbacks in the NFL, and that includes the guys that played like two games. Like he is not accurate. There's no narrative. He's just not accurate. 
So let's move on. I, we, you know, that it's okay. We have 31 other teams. We can look at the pass catchers. <laughs> cool. Like I, that's, that's fine. Whatever. Yeah. I think with Mark Andrews though, like just tight end so barren and he's like pretty much the de facto wide receiver one for that team. that like, I'm still interested in Andrews. The thing but, is, I feel like I can trade him for a guy that's probably in a higher volume offense. Like I would rather have TJ Hawkinson than Mark Andrews. And I think I could get Hawkinson for Andrews. Man, I think it would depend on who the Hawk owner is and how it, hot. True. But I think, yeah, I think in in probably about fifty, it's probably about fifty fifty. In fifty percent of your leagues, you could probably do that. In the other, you would probably have to add something small. But no, I don't hate that. I don't hate that at all. Um, but my favorite signing was one that kind of went under the radar a little bit here. But that's Philip Lindsay going to the Texans. Um, he just signed a one year, two point two five million dollar deal. Um, that's pretty much probably about all that he was going to be able to get just because he was a restricted free agent with Denver. And I mean, they slapped the original round tender on him, which is he was an undrafted free agent. So, you know, that was the lowest tender you could get. Um, but he's also coming off a bit of a down year this past year. So it's probably why he only could get the one year deal. Plus it seems like everybody's taken one year deals this year until the cap rebounds, which is probably the smart move there. But I mean, the thing about Philip Lindsay is he had that down year, but everybody forgets he had over a thousand yards rushing in each of his first two seasons. He was sixth in rushing yards over expectation per attempt during his rookie year and 22nd uh, during his second year in the league. Um, he also had 47 targets the first year, 48 targets the second year, uh, 35 catches in both of those two seasons. It was the fantasy RB12 his rookie year, 19 uh, in 2019, so even though he only saw 46 and 50% of the snap shares in those years. So, you know, he's been very efficient on limited work before. So, you know, he's still a guy that I think can provide you really nice value. And yeah, they, they signed the husk of Mark Ingram and David Johnson still there. I mean, even if one of those guys ends up being the 1A in that backfield, I mean, we've seen Lindsay be productive in a timeshare before, and I still think Lindsay's the best out of those three backs. I want Lindsay to go somewhere, because uh, now now I have to, like, now you you can't be like, well, I hope Mark, Ind- Mark Ingram and David Johnson get injured so he can lead that backfield. <laughs> but I feel like the NFL doesn't think he can lead a backfield, but I just want to see it happen one time, because I, I think he could do it. I don't think he's any less equipped to do it than like Austin Eckler no. or a guy like that. You know, I, I really, really like Philip Lindsay. So I, yeah, I think that's a sneaky signing and that's a good one to highlight. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's one ninety, but he's also five, eight. So, you know, like he at five, eight, one ninety, like that's not that bad. That that's guy's, dor- like- that guy's dwarfing Rondale Moore. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, he is. Spoiler for a little bit later. Oh, <laughs> um, but so so we we touched on favorite signings there. Who uh, who do you think would be your least favorite signing then? So this is um, like I found my answers as I was doing these. There were kind of a mix of you know I like this for NFL purposes. I like this for fantasy purposes. I like this just because I like this guy or this team or whatever. And I I hope he does well there. Um, and Corey Davis was probably the only guy as I was going through here, and I was like, wow, he fits all of these. I like I I don't like him for fantasy purposes now. I don't like him for how much money they're spending. And I just like, I like Corey Davis as whatever, but I don't like the jets very much. Um, so it's, it's just like, well, okay, whatever. But I mean, 37 million, three years, 
I get the, the contract structure from what it's uh, according to spot track. So I'm not sure, you know, I think they usually are pretty accurate that uh, it does have an out with minimal cap hit after 2022, but that's only one year early. You know, I mean, you're still committing to two years of Corey Davis at, you know, 12 mil per 12 and a half or whatever. And, and my problem with anybody paying a wide receiver like that this year, even if you had the cap room was just that, this is such a deep wide receiver draft that you can find pretty much any physical profile that you want to complete or round out whatever wide receiver room you want to round out. And I don't think Davis gives a profile that isn't necessarily already on that team. Like I think him and Mims are, are pretty similar in terms of what I think they're going to be able to do on an NFL football field, even if Mims is the slightly better athlete, if I remember correctly. So, and you are, I mean, Jamison Crowder is a fine slot guy. You really need like a field stretcher there. You know, and the Jets have a lot of picks. They have five of the first 86 picks, two first rounders, two third rounders. So they have the capital. You know, you can't say, well, they only have three picks and they have so many holes, you know, in the first first two days. They have a lot of picks in the first two days and they have some building blocks there. You know, we figured they go QB at two, whoever that might be. It seems like the rumor today is that it's Zach Wilson. So if that's who it is, that's fine. That's who they decide their guy is. But they have a couple pieces on the line. The defense isn't terrible. So... I, I I don't think wide receiver would have been like a luxury pick for them this year. So I just don't understand that from any sort of a, a standpoint. I don't think Corey Davis is the kind of guy where you're like, you know, a splash signing where you're like, we're really going to help our young rookie quarterback out. I just don't think he's that caliber of a guy. I like Corey Davis, but that, that this whole situation when I saw that he was signing there, I was like, that's kind of weird. Yeah. I've, I have a soft spot in my heart for Corey Davis because, you know, I took him, uh, in one of our early, I, I took him early in, in that rookie draft that year. Um, I took him over like, yeah, you did. Yeah. I took him <laughs> early. I think I took him at the one three. I think, I think it went Fournette and then McCaffrey. And then I took him. And- it did. Cause I, that was the year. So in that league, I won the championship the year before that off the back of Le'Veon Bell's huge year and then traded Le'Veon Bell in the off season for the one one and the one Oh two. So, right. And then you flip the one Oh two to somebody else. Yeah. We're not going to talk about that. (laughs) I I thought I was locking in a nice young quarterback there for a pretty cheap price. It didn't work out so well. Yeah. And then he took McCaffrey at that one too. But yeah, I I took Corey Davis there at the one three. So I took him high. I have a soft spot in my heart for him, but I, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I don't think this is, I don't think this is really going to help him that much just because I mean, he's, Probably going to have Zach Wilson. By the way, this things are sounding. Zach Wilson is going to be thrown on the ball, which you know that's that's fine. But I don't like you said. I don't think he's the type of guy who goes out there and immediately helps his rookie quarterback. I think that's going to be more Jamison Crowder, maybe probably in that type of a role. Uh, but even either way, like you said Denzel Mims is on the opposite side there. So unless they're going to use Denzel Mims as the field stretcher, just because I think he had what four three nine wheels yeah but i don't like i don't think that's the role he's no playing. you know what i mean like i don't see that out of him even with that nice speed yeah i don't either but i mean he's faster than Corey davis Corey davis didn't run at his pro day because he was rehabbing that foot injury i remember but i don't think anybody projected him to run that fast i mean i think he was more like probably like a low four or five type of a guy um and yeah, I just I don't like the Jets overall as a, as a situation there. I, I'm happy that so the my my Devi shares of Justin Fields are very happy about the rumors that Zach Wilson's going there. 
potentially because I have zero shares of Zach Wilson. But yeah, I just think that whole situation is a disaster. I dumped my Zach Wilson in the middle of all this news today. The one Zach Wilson that I had in a nice. C2C league. Um, and it, I, I, I kind of feel gross about it. Like, I'm not sure if I did okay or not. But Well, I, I liked that trade for you, to be honest with you. I mean, you... I don't even want to say you gave up the or you gave up the best asset in that deal because um, for anybody you know obviously a lot of people listening to, aren't in the Discord where we were talking about the chat or the trade in the chat there but uh, you gave up Zach Wilson and got back Jameer Gibbs uh, Jordan Love and fifty dollars of recruiting money um, so we we get a thousand dollars for college recruiting every year. Um, and it rolls over. Uh, it, so it's, it's like your rec- it's your freshman recruiting slash like you know yeah. your fob throughout the year on the yeah. college side, and then whatever your balance is rolls over into the next year. So um, that played a part for the, for me. And just like to give my brief thoughts on why I did that trade, I love Jameer Gibbs. I think he's great. I've been watching a bunch of him lately, and I just unless he gets hurt, I see a, a very very good running back in the NFL. And the Jordan Love thing. So it's a twenty team league. Single copy NFL, double copy or single copy college, double copy NFL. So it's essentially a ten-team league on the on the NFL side, and I don't think you have to rock with three really good quarterbacks in a ten-team superflex. I have Dak, I have Rodgers, so I have Jordan Love. So when Rodgers leaves, Love gets a little bit of a, a value bump, and I can ship him off or whatever. And he, you know, he cuffs my Rodgers, and then I have Big yeah. Ben as my third quarterback. I think I'm more than fine at quarterback, and Wilson scares the shit out of me. Like without, we don't, we don't have to have a Zach Wilson discussion here tonight. I don't think we really planned for that, but his profile, like one year at a small school where he just beat up on really, really like sisters of the blind and stuff. Like I, it did, it does, it really, really scares me. It really, really does. I know he can do a lot of cool stuff with his arm, but I mean, we all, you know, raved about Kyle Buller throwing 70 yards from one knee or whatever, and he sucked, you know? So I, I'm not that sold on him. He scares me, his profile. So I'm, I think the Jets, if they take him there, that's like the perfect marriage of like incompetent franchise and player <laughs> with a really wacky profile. Uh, apologies to Felix, who, when he listens to this, you can, you can yell at Austin for that. The, the Zach Wilson slander there. He's my QB four uh, and Felix knows it. Like I just, <laughs> I trust Trey Lance more cause he plays safer. Like, yeah. you know, I think at bare minimum, you know, Trey Lance can play in the NFL for a while on his, on his legs and just not effing up. I don't trust Zach Wilson to do that. <laughs> yeah, I loved. Uh, I love you retweeted Thor Nyström's tweet. Um, I, I love that uh, people are saying Zach Wilson competed against Air today at his pro day. That's so unfair to Air, which would have improved BYU's twenty twenty strength of schedule. I it thought was, that was hilarious. It, that's a great tweet by him, and it was. It's so true. Like BYU, you could watch and just tell. Like these teams are. This is that whole defense. There are no dudes on that field right now. They're going to play on Sundays, <laughs> and that's. That should scare you. I'm sorry. It really, really should. Yeah. You can say the same thing about Trey Lance, but you know, I think his, his, like I said, his he's a little safer with the ball. So I trust that more. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. Plus, we've seen one year wonder quarterbacks kind of flop at a fairly decent rate. I mean, obviously, Joe Burrow seems like he's going to be a hit here, just based on the early part of his year this past year. Um, obviously, still too early to tell there, but. You know, they had Mitch Trubisky kind of flopped, Blaine Gabbert kind of flopped. Um, you know, so you have some other guys like that. So the one year wonder thing is definitely a fair thing to worry about. 
Um, but we, we got pretty off the rails. <laughs> yeah, that was, you know. <laughs> so we got pretty off the rails. Back to, to my least favorite uh, free agent signing, and that's uh, that's Kenyon Drake going to Oak, uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. Oh, nice catch. Thank you. Uh, t- <laughs> for two years, uh, $11 million a year. Um, and this is just, this is tough for Josh Jacobs owners. I mean, it already kind of seemed like they didn't really want to use Josh Jacobs in the past game. Um, you kind of heard like some, a little bit of rumors about that, but then, um, in Jacobs freshman year or rookie year in 2019, uh, Deandre Washington and Jalen Richard both had 36 catches. Jacobs only had 20. And then this past year, Jacobs did have 33 catches, but Richard, and then they brought in Devontae Booker to kind of play a third down role. They both had 17 and 19 catches respectively. So, you know, they're kind of using committees as the passing game option here. And now you bring in Drake and that's kind of his calling card. I mean, he did only have 25 catches last year, but the years before that he had 50 and then 53 catches. Um, so, you know, he's kind of a bit more of a receiving back. So now you're pairing those two together. And I think that just really hurts Jacob's ceiling, especially in a PPR league, which I think most leagues are nowadays. Um, and Jacobs has two years left on his deal. I mean, he has the the option, the fifth year option since he went the first, but you know, so they're both going to be there for pretty much the life of that contract. So yeah, I, I, th- I think that was my least favorite signing for both of those guys because I don't really like it for Kenyon Drake because I think Josh Jacobs is still the 1A in that backfield. But now that's a pretty good 1B pass catching back, and that's, I think that's just going to be kind of a disaster. Oakland just really needs to – like I don't think they know what their identity is. Sorry. I didn't. You caught yourself. I didn't. Uh, it'll <laughs> I take me. It. <laughs> it'll take me so long to get that. And by that point, they'll probably move back to Oakland. So I'm not even <laughs> sure it's like worth it for me to learn what their name is. But for the Vegas Raiders, um, I like. I just don't think they know what their identity is. They went last off season and invested all of this stuff in you know the passing game. They surrounded Derek Carr with you know say what you will about rugs, but they spent their first round pick on him. They went out and got Brian Edwards in the third. They have Darren Waller there. Um, you know, and then you have a couple other guys. I mean, um, uh, who's uh, Renfro? They have they signed another guy this offseason, too. I forget who it is. Uh, Will I think they signed Willie Sneed. So, yeah. not that he really moves the needle, but you know, you're, you're spending you have all these guys that you've invested in the passing side of things, and you took Josh Jacobs in the first round, and then you go out and spend significant money on a passing a pass catching back when he can catch passes fine, yeah, like. I think that's undersell. He can catch passes very well. I think he's, yeah. he has a three down skill set, like you said. So I don't get that either. I just don't think they know what they're doing. We were talking before the show. It's so blatantly obvious that Gruden is just going to run that team into the ground. And the hilarious part is, because um, I hate the Raiders, so <laughs> like whatever, um, is that is that they can't fire him because I Mark Davis is like the you know my air quotes are out the poorest owner in the NFL. Like I don't know if he can afford. To, to pay him his buyout because I think it's all guaranteed. Like you have to pay him the sum of it at 10 million a year. Like shit, that's like $50 million, you know? And so I, I, I really don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Well, and not only did they bring in another running back, but they also shipped out two offensive linemen, like two pretty good offensive linemen, um, Rodney Hudson and Gabe Jackson. Um, they traded both of those guys. So, you know, they had a really dominant line and like that. Okay. If you, that's what you want to hang your hat on is the run game and a dominant offensive line. Great. You know, but 
Now you're bringing in another running back and you're shipping out two linemen. Like, I think you're right. I don't think they really know what they want to be. And it just seems like they make a move and then they take three steps backwards and they do something else that completely contradicts the move that they just made. Yeah. Yeah. They unravel it every single time. Like you said, the offensive line is a great example. So I really don't know what they're doing. Um, but you know, yeah. Yes. Yeah. If yeah, you hate the Raiders, I'm indifferent, but you know, I don't have any Josh Jacobs shares or Kenyon Drake shares, but if I did, I would be, uh, I'd be panicking a little bit there. But uh, we'll move into favorite under the radar signing here. Um, and I mean, there's this free agency period has been a little bit odd um, in that most guys are kind of taking some one year deals. But um, who's your favorite under the radar signing so far? Well, I probably would have said um, uh, Philip Lindsay, um, but we kind of talked about him earlier. So I went, I went and looked at Matt Burita as a guy that I think is an underrated signing here. And I know it only happened. I think, you know, we're recording this on Friday evening. I think it only happened yesterday. So we, we haven't had a lot of time to digest that move and was never going to move a needle either way anyway. But I mean, I think he's, to be honest, I think he's the best running back on that roster immediately. You know, I've never been a Zach Moss guy. Um, I know he had his uh, fans, (laughs) uh, so to speak last off season, he's just kind of a jag for NFL purposes. It's how I feel about Like, I don't, I don't think he's better than like, like he's this Kylan Hill, Raheem Boyd. Like it's all these guys are like the same dude. And he's just, he'll hang around the NFL for six or seven years, but I don't want them on my fantasy roster. They, they're a roster clogger. I think breed is more dynamic than him and Devin Singletary. Um, and, you know, I don't think, you know, their plan is almost certainly to have a committee there. You know, they didn't sign Breida to, st- to, you know, get the majority of the touches, but I think he's the best back there. And I think he could get some nice chemistry with, um, um, with Josh Allen a little, cause he can, he can do some stuff in the passing game. So I like that signing. And I think it gives him a little life where maybe he didn't have so much before that signing. Yeah. And I mean, he's probably free to be honest with you with the way that last year ended where, you know, he kind of got banged up at the end of the year and then he got jumped on the depth chart by Miles um, Gaskin and um, Salvin Ahmed. So, you know, he's probably free right now. So he's not really going to cost you anything. But I think you're right. I, I think he's the best pass catching back on that roster. I, I mean, Zach Moss is fine, I guess, catching passes. But he's not – if he's my pa- – if he's yeah, – I don't think he's a three-down back. And if he's catching passes for me, I'm concerned. So I think that Brita can step into that role right away. And you're right. This is a completely under-the-radar signing that, you know, if one or two things break his way, he could have a really productive year. Moss catching passes is like the Sir Thompson thing that we've talked about. Like somehow, <laughs> like four shows that we've done in, together in a row, where it's just he can do it, but it's you know the yards per reception is so low, and you know so then you see that and you go and watch it and you put two and two together. This guy just is not dynamic enough in the open field to do anything with the ball in his hands, no matter if he has the world's softest hands or not. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm with you there. I think that's a. That's not one that I would have thought to bring up too, but I think that was a really good one. Um, my favorite under the radar signing is uh, Josh Reynolds um, signing a one year deal with the Tennessee Titans. Uh, I've been looking to see how much that was worth. I've not been able to find it. Um, so I guess that'll probably come out here in the next couple of days. But I think Josh Reynolds in, in landing in Tennessee is a fantastic opportunity for him. 
um, you know, Corey Davis is gone. Adam Humphreys is also gone. Johnny Smith also gone. So they they have AJ Brown there, who's the number one guy, and he's going to stay the number one guy. They're still probably going to be fairly run heavy with Derrick Henry. Uh, you know, I'm not expecting that stuff to change, but Derrick Henry's never really caught that many passes. He's not really that involved in the pass game. So, you know, now you're looking for a number two role in that passing game. And I think Davis can absolutely step into that. I think he's got a great opportunity, or Reynolds has a great opportunity to step into the number two role that Davis had occupied before. Um, and there was a quote, uh, there was an interview with, with Josh Reynolds that I was reading a little bit before the show here from Titans Wire. Um, and he's, he said the same thing. He's like, I think with Corey Davis leaving, I can go in and fit that role pretty good. I'm extremely excited to be a Titan and I'm ready to get this thing going with this team. So, you know, it seems like he recognized that he would be able to fill that role pretty easily. And he's coming from a spot where he was the number three uh, receiver at best for, for the Rams. Um, you know, but he still had 52 catches, 618 yards, two touchdowns last year. And he was second on the Rams in percentage of team air yards with 22.89%, which was literally right behind Robert Woods is 23.9%. So, you know, he's a guy who can kind of stretch the field a little bit more as well and, and kind of clear some things out for AJ Brown. So I don't, I think not only is he a good complimentary piece to AJ Brown, but like I mentioned, I think he has a good opportunity for a number two wide receiver role for the Titans. Yeah, we were, <clears throat> this is another thing we were kind of talking about before the show. And I just, you know, I think this is, if you have Josh Reynolds, this is your selling point. Uh, you have to, I have to believe, you know, that they draft somebody. I just don't think he profiles as anything more than a third wide receiver on an offense. And the really scary part about that is that I don't think that Tennessee rolls with three wide receivers that often. So I'm not sure that he's going to get a ton of opportunity next year in that offense. I don't know. That offense has a lot of question marks, you know, losing John and Corey Davis. Do they still run? Do they still go heavy tight end? They switch things up a little bit. I don't really know. Um, well, and losing some... their OC too. Yeah. Good point. Um, where'd he go again? Uh, some crappy team. I forget. <sighs> You're just trying to piss me off. This is this is the part where Colin boots me from the show and does the rest. <laughs> yeah, solo. let me just yeah, let me just let me let me just kick him from the room here. Um, no, but no, you you, I, I'm I'm with you there. I, I don't really know what that offense is going to look like, and I think there is a good possibility that they draft somebody, especially with how deep this wide receiver class is. But my question is, what are you going to get for Josh Reynolds right now? Like a third, like maybe. Like, I, I think, think a late. I think you could get a late second depending on what league you're in. I had I think, people all over trying to get Josh Reynolds from me last year in a couple of different leagues. Really? Isn't his name like holds some mythical value? I don't know what it is, but I had I had multiple leagues where I had Josh Reynolds in last year. And the thing was like the offers people were sending me were like really stupid, but right. I was like no, like but as uh, not that I thought he was good. I just, you know, he's better than what you're getting offered. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, if you can get a late second, absolutely. Like, I love this signing. And I think Josh Reynolds can be a flex worthy player next year. He could be like a flex guy. You know, he'll probably finish around like in the wide receiver 35 to 40 range, I think, from fantasy, assuming they don't bring anybody else in. So that's like wide receiver three flex territory. But either way, even if you can get a late second for him, do it. Absolutely. Um, 
even in early third, you know, if you're on the clock and there's a guy that you like that's there, you know, maybe go float Josh Reynolds for an early third, just given how deep this class is. But I'd rather have, you know, Seth Williams is going on average 305. I would way rather have Seth Williams. Dwayne Eskridge is probably going to be an early third round guy. I would way rather have Dwayne Eskridge. You know, I think at this point we know what Josh Reynolds is. I guess it's kind of the family guy joke where it's like, do you want the boat or do you want the mystery package? It could be a boat. But the thing is, like, if if Josh Reynolds is a boat, it has like a bunch of holes in it. And it's been stuck on this rock out in the middle of the lake for like six months. And that's the boat they're offering you. And this other one, like, it could be anything. It could be a boat. This boat might work. So I, I don't really know. <laughs> that was a great reference. I love that. <laughs> I think that's like the most classic joke from that show, right? I mean, it's up there for sure. Um, yeah, I was a big Family Guy f- fan for a long time. Um, is that even on the air anymore? I don't think so. I think it is. I think it just is got it? renewed. I don't know. I think Seth, Seth MacFarlane shifted all of his brilliance over to um, um, American Dad. That one, you know, that... <laughs> Not yeah. that I don't watch any of these shows like you know religiously, but I know we used to watch them in college all the time. Yeah, I used to watch Family Guy pretty religiously, but um, I, I like American Dad too. I just never watched that as much as I did Family Guy. My my humor is way too highbrow now for that. You know, I don't stoop to that level. You're too sophisticated. Exactly. Being a, being a 28, almost 29 year old lawyer. I, I've been. I don't know if you. I mean, we're on camera, so you can see. I've been drinking my beer with my pinky out the whole time. See, it's, yeah. Wait, it's oh, waving I, over here. I noticed. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, and then the uh, so last thing on the free agency signings here. Um, there are still some interesting guys left available. Um, the guy I was going to talk about was Leonard Fournette. Obviously, he just signed today back with Tampa. Um, so I had to find somebody here last minute, but Austin, I'll kick this one over to you first. Uh, who's the most interesting name still available out there for you? The correct answer is nobody, but if that, if I have to give an answer here, cause I know you said there's a bunch of interesting guys left, but I was looking through the list and I was like, Jesus, like this is not, there's, there are some intriguing names left, but not really at offensive skill positions. You know, there's some linemen left and stuff that I think would be, you know, they're going to command some, some dollars. I put Larry Fitzgerald as my most interesting guy left. And I'm not that I'm because interesting can mean a lot of different things. And I think in this right. context, it's open. a guy. Yeah. It's, it's a guy that, you know, I don't even know if he plays next year. You know, I've talked to some people that are from around there and they've said, or, or Cardinals fans or whatever else. And they've said, you know, they think that basically he told the Cardinals, you know, don't feel obligated to bring me back, go into the draft. If, something happens and you take a wide receiver that's fine i'll just retire if you don't i'll come back i've heard that from one or two different people i'm not sure if that's the case or not and i think it is you know undeniable even if he does come back and whether it's with arizona or not that his best days are are behind him you know last year if you go and look at his career stats last year is just undeniably his worst year Uh, you know he's averaged basically double digit yards per reception every single year in the league and last year he averaged 7.6 some of that's the offense some of it's he just doesn't have the legs anymore. Uh, but I mean, he still he 54 catches, 409 yards and a touchdown last year. You can't tell me that he wouldn't be useful on an offense like green Bay in the slot where they don't really have a guy there. Or um, I would have said new Orleans, but, but breeze is gone. But uh, you know, Kansas city, you know, Kansas city yeah. just needs a guy that can catch. Even if Larry Fitzgerald can't really run anymore, he can catch, you know, he just catch and fall over and get the first down. <laughs> That's all he really needs to do. It's Jason, Jason Witten for the last 12 years of his career. So 
I, like I think Larry Fitzgerald can still do that. So I am really interested to see where he lands or wherever he does go as a, you know, he's a pit alum and he's like on the first pit teams I can really remember watching. I'll probably be rooting for them to win the Super Bowl. Um, there are some teams that I, sorry, I can't, <laughs> I can't do it, but. Um, well, so. the Ravens have a lot of openings. <laughs> yeah. You know. <laughs> That would really put you in a mental pretzel. <laughs> you you want to root for him. Oh, he'd be dead you'd to want... me if he went to Baltimore. Mm-hmm. He'd That's probably a... be dead to the city of Pittsburgh. I don't the think be- much about the that. The best part about that with you that Juju thing saying that he turned down more more money from Baltimore. Like <laughs> he seems like a kind of guy that would do that. So like when he said that it didn't really necessarily shock me, but I that list like it made me so much happier than him just saying like Pittsburgh gave me the best offer. No, he had to go. Baltimore gave me offered me more money and I thought <laughs> told him to go screw off so <laughs> uh, no but back to Larry Fitz though, I think that you know he's got to want a ring and he his best chances to get one are the two places you named Kansas City and Green Bay who both have needs at wide receiver yeah like I think that that's especially with how bad the other receivers looked in Kansas City I mean he's at least a guy who can catch the ball like you said, maybe he doesn't necessarily beat guys that much, but you can kind of scheme him open a little bit. And he's also smart enough and savvy enough that he can find some openings when plays break down and at least give himself, make himself a target for Mahomes. So, yeah, good locker room guy, good blocker. You know, yeah. I don't know if he still blocks it like he used to. I mean, he's getting old, but yeah, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I like that one. But um, speaking of guys who are getting old, um, my most interesting name still available is uh, Antonio Brown. Um, He's not that old. He's going to be 33 here, but I still think he has more left than AJ Green and and T.Y. Hilton do, um, you know, who are right around the same age. So, you know, I think he's still got a little bit left in the tank. You know, at the end of the year, through eight games last year, he had 45 catches, 483 yards, and four TDs. Uh, Then he had eight catches, 81 yards, two touchdowns in the playoffs. So, you know, decent year there um and obviously his name still carries a ton of weight everybody always remembers how great he's been uh, but if he could stay out of trouble i mean i think he's a guy who could at least be somewhat productive for for whatever team he signs with now the two teams who are reportedly the most interested in him uh are seattle and baltimore and i don't know how much of a fantasy asset he would be in either of those two places i hope he goes to baltimore <laughs> he'll tear that locker room apart within four games and it'll be freaking amazing him and him and hollywood will both because they know their cousins or whatever like because ab's always been in hollywood's year and uh, that, yeah. uh, that'll take four games for ab to have like seven targets and he just freaks out it'll be it truly would be a, it i've never prayed for anything more it's to, a total trojan horse situation <laughs> um yeah but i don't know i think he's he's still like you said there's not a ton of like big name skill position guys left out there. I mean, Todd Gurley's still available, but how much does he have left? Um, you know, so there is not a, a ton of the skill position guys left out there, but I think Antonio Brown's probably the most interesting one for me. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. I mean, um, I'm really, I'm kind of a little surprised Tampa doesn't want him back. Cause I think him and Tom, you know, as big of an idiot as he, as AB is, I think he understands the value of being with Tom and being tied to a guy like him. Um, but apparently, apparently not. I don't know which side doesn't want to go back there, but 
Well, my guess, and I haven't really read this anything. This is just completely a guess on my end. But I would think it's him that doesn't want to go back right now. I'm thinking he seems like the type of guy who thinks he can get way more on the open market than what he probably can. So it really wouldn't surprise me overall if he did end up back in Tampa for another run at a Super Bowl just with Tom Brady if he doesn't find that he has he can get the offer that he's looking for. Yeah, no, that, that's fair. Um, and with Godwin back healthy and stuff this year, you know, maybe the need isn't even really there anymore. But I don't think uh, Tom Brady would say no to him. Right. I don't think Brady would either. But I also like Scotty Miller and Justin Watson, too. So, like, I kind of hope he goes somewhere else to, like, open up a little bit more for those guys. Yeah. Um, but we'll uh, we'll move away from the old guys. We'll move into the young guys here. Um, and there have been a lot of pro days uh, happening, especially since, you know, we last recorded together um been a pretty busy busy time for both of us here lately but um with uh with some of the pro days some of the most interesting results um rondale moore obviously the height at five seven um you know that's a little bit concerning there um yeah awesome sad face emoji <laughs> um on to a little bit happier news elijah moore uh with his 40 time of a four three two uh, which is pretty insane. Uh, another news here that's going pretty far under the radar uh, is Felipe Franks' size and athleticism combination. Uh, Felipe Franks, quarterback out of Arkansas, measured in at 6'7", 234, but he had a 33-inch vert, which was his 60, 62nd percentile, and he ran a 4'5", 540, which is 94th percentile for quarterbacks. So while I don't really love his prospects as a quarterback, I think he could be the next guy that we see potentially make a move from quarterback to tight end, um, you know, like Logan Thomas did when he came out. So I think that would be his most interesting route for me. And that's just, that's why I put him on here just because that's an interesting, uh, it was just something I thought when I saw that, like, Oh, he could probably play tight end at six, seven, two thirty four with that athleticism. I think I had commented earlier, like while the season was going on, like, I don't even know that Felipe Franks is that worse than like that much worse than some of the other quarterbacks that people like to go in like the fourth round, which is like also it's part of that is just the other guys aren't very good, but right. you know, Felipe Franks is a good athlete. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. You know, I don't think he's markedly worse than Kellen Mond or somebody <laughs> like that. You know what I mean? That like Chris Sims has like his quarterback two or something. Just, I don't really know what he's watching, but uh, Chris Sims always has some interesting, uh, interesting rankings um but uh travis Etienne also hit that weight threshold that everybody was looking for he weighed in at 215 uh so that was definitely big to see him uh austin's best friend jonathan adams jr uh we got to see his real 40 yard dash time i need that that was that dashboard confessional song where it's like vindicated (laughs) vindicated (laughs) suck on that jonathan adams you're slow Uh, Jonathan Adams, 40 yard time was clocked at his pro date, a four, five, nine, where he was clocked at a four, three, nine from Exos, but turn on the tape, bro. Turn on the tape. Yeah. I'm, I'm the idiot. <laughs> I'm the idiot. <laughs> uh, speaking of slow, uh, Ramondre Stevenson running back Oklahoma clocked his 40 time in at four, six, three, uh, which I mean, nobody expected him to blaze, but that was still a little bit concerning there. Um, and then, and I'm going to butcher this name, uh, Josh. I've been, e- 
I've been looking forward to this since the show started. <laughs> Josh Emeter Bebe, uh, with his vertical at his pro day, measured a 46 and a half inch vert at 223 pounds, which his vert is in the hundredth percentile. Uh, the combine NFL combine record is 46 inches by Gerald Sensabaugh, safety from UNC. I think it was UNC or USC. I don't remember which. Um, but that's the one that has the record. And just for reference, uh, Michael Jordan had a 46 inch vert. So, you know, Josh Emitzer baby with a better vertical leap than Michael Jordan at, at 223 pounds. The Wright brothers are lucky that Josh Emer Tabebe was not alive back in 1903 because he would be considered the first, you know, actual like uh, instance of, of human flight. Because damn, 46 inches, and he he's a beast, man. Like he can't do anything else, but sh- that dude can freaking jump. And it like it to 40. The the thing is that that was not surprising. No, like we all knew he was going to do that basically, and then he went out and did it. Right. Oh, and another thing too with like, so you can say whatever you want about like the 40 times and some of the hand time stuff, but you can't really fake a vertical. Like yeah. you can't really inflate those numbers. Yeah. That's why like the exo stuff, like if people were saying like all this stuff and like, okay, what do you mean? The, the jumps, how do they fake the jumps? Like, yeah, you know, whatever the, the running times were iffy, but yeah, all the jumping stuff I think has been pretty legit. And yeah, you can't, you can't fake that. Yeah. Um, so not, not saying, we're not saying, you know, go rush out and draft Josh Emitz or Bebe in the second or third round or even the fourth round or maybe even the fifth, but <laughs> or the sixth, but if you have a seventh round, <laughs> uh, but it was just, I just thought it was noteworthy there uh, with him breaking the record. And um, the next uh, interesting one was uh, Jarrett Patterson uh, running back Buffalo uh, measuring in and at five, seven as well. Five, six and a half. That's five, six and a half. Rondell okay. Moore makes him look small. Yeah, he does. <laughs> We're going to use that as a reference from like the rest <laughs> of this show. Like, um, and then uh, Kenny Gainwell measuring in at 195 pounds, uh, which is a little bit lighter than you kind of wanted to see. You, know, you kind of wanted to see him hit that 200. I thought he, I thought he got the 201. Uh, I was pulling all of my results off of PFF. So, I mean, it's possible that he got uh, – possible that he hit 201 somewhere. But yeah. when I looked up uh, combine result or uh, pro day results on PFF, they had him listed at 195. That's fair enough. That's just what I thought that I had seen, but I could very well be wrong. I'm trying to like Google this really quick and stall. <laughs> like, like, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, if and and five five six pounds doesn't seem like a huge difference, but there actually is a pretty big difference between in hit rates of running backs under 200 pounds and running backs over 200 pounds. Um. You know, so I think that is actually something that's pretty significant, which is why I put it put him on the list for interesting results. Yeah, he weighed in at 5'11", 201. It was two hundred one. Okay, was his official. Yeah, right. still notable because he hit the uh, two hundred threshold, two hundred pound threshold there. PFF, if you're listening, um, you know you got to update that sheet there because uh, they had him listed at one ninety five. Uh, but the the last result. That was interesting was uh, Trey Lance uh, with his hand size at nine and an eighth inch hands, which is 16th percentile. Um, You know, the threshold that I've heard a lot of people say is nine inches. And that's what Joe Burrow was before. I think um, Jared Goff also clocked in around nine inches. So it's not like a death sentence or anything like that, but just notable that he kind of has some small hands there. Yeah, I've heard like the 
uh, like nine is good, but you want like nine and three eighths or something. I think yeah. is the is like the size, and use a nine and one eighth. That doesn't really um, bother me too much. Um, I'm not a big like hand size guy. I'm not really either, but like I still don't want somebody to have like baby hands because it does affect like. I feel like it does affect the velocity that you can put on a ball just based on like how well you can grip it. Because if you think about how much easier it is to throw like a youth football versus an NFL football, I think a lot of that has to do with like the size of it and just like how much you can grip it. I have baby hands, so I I have no idea. <laughs> Both of those are a struggle for me to throw. Um, I have a, I, I measured my hands uh, one time after after Josh uh, Jared Goff's pro like pro day and his results they were talking about nine i have nine and an eighth inch hands oh, so there you go sign yeah. you up S- tr- same size as trey lance where am i getting drafted <laughs> um but uh so that was all the notable notes that i had for pro day results here um there were definitely other ones too uh but those were just kind of some of the highlights here but um i'll kick this one over to you who do you think has helped themselves the most uh with their pro day so I think Elijah Moore is the obvious answer here. You know, he measured, he weighed in and measured in like how how we wanted him to at 5'9", 178. That's pretty darn good. And then beyond that, you know, he put up, you know, bench 17 times. Great for what we considered, you know, a little guy. 36-inch uh, vert, the the six six five three cone, you know, we kind of expected the agility drills to all be really, really good. The big thing, though, was that the 40-yard dash, you know, the 4-4, or four three four or whatever. I, I don't think I've seen an official time yet. I've only seen unofficial. Um, but even if you add the 0.05 or the 0.1 or whatever to that, you know, it's still low to mid four fours, and that's faster than I thought he would run. Like I thought he'd run like four four eight to four five one, like in that range, and and then be quick and you know quicker than he yeah. is fast. He proved to be both apparently. So you know, I don't. I still don't think you know, this doesn't change. I don't think he's the kind of guy that you want taking the top off a of defense or anything like that. At least with any sort of regularity. Um, but it it's nice to see that he. I think for a lot of it's nice to see he took this process seriously and that he came out and impressed everybody. Yeah, I agree there too. I know um, friend of the show, Jarek Backus, uh, and and Alfred too. But Jarek Backus both uh, is, is a big Elijah Moore guy. So. You know, that's got to be good for him to see him check off some of those boxes there. Not that I think he puts a lot of stock into um, athletic testing numbers. So I don't think analytics folks factor that in too much. It's more just thresholds, but still, you know, checking a lot of boxes that you want to see there. And, you know, I think now you might hear some end of the first, some more consistent end of the first, early second round NFL draft buzz for Elijah Moore. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, who did you like that helped themselves? You thought. Uh, so one of my favorite, um, one of my favorite results here, and it's a guy that's been definitely growing on me more as I've been like kind of watching him, and that's Seth Williams, uh, wide receiver from Auburn. Uh, he measured in at six three two eleven, uh, which is the eighty fourth and seventy second percentile respectively for wide receivers. Um, so now his similar size, is, you know, which is kind of what we expected, but similar size now to AJ Green. Alshon Jeffrey, Larry Fitz, Jordy Nelson. Um, so I think he's going to have a very good list of best comparable players on player profiler. Um, and I haven't listened to Roto Underworld much lately. Um, I've been I haven't listening. either. I, I, I love that 
I, I like Matt Kelly's podcast. I think he's he's one of the best fantasy analysts out there. Kind of be a prick with his whole shtick that he does at times. Um, you know, so I have to fast forward 30 seconds at times and he gets on some of his rants. But, you know, he's one of the best, one of the smartest fantasy analysts out there. And I think they did a show on Seth Williams recently. So I kind of want to go listen to that one uh, when I have the time. But, you know, I haven't, he also, uh, Seth Williams also, you know, clocked in with some uh, nice athletic testing numbers, uh, 37 inch vert to 37th or to the 70th percentile. Also ran a four five flat 40, uh, which is the 48th percentile. But just mentioning some of the guys that I mentioned before for best comparables, Jordy Nelson ran a four five one, Larry Fitz a four five three, Alshon a four five three, AJ Green also four five oh. So, you know, like I said, I think you're gonna when you check in on player profiler after they have those results, I think those are gonna be some of his best comparables, which you know, I think that gives him a very nice ceiling. And he is one of the only alpha profile wide receivers in this draft. Um, so you haven't, I haven't really heard a lot of buzz uh, NFL draft wise about Seth Williams, but I think after this performance, I'm going to be, I'll be very surprised if he's not taken in the second round. My big concern with Seth Williams, I'm not exactly sure if it was, you know, the offense just, you know, he, Bonix is not good. And I, there wasn't a lot of other stuff there to really take attention away from him. But it seemed like there were a lot of effort issues at times, to be completely honest, which scares me. That's not generally a switch that people flick when they go from one to the other. But I do like him. I mean, there were flat. There's times where he looks like T. Higgins. You're like, oh, geez, there's T. Higgins' brother comes out next, you know, this year. And then there's times where you watch him. You're like, this dude is like lazy. He doesn't care. He doesn't move well. I, I mean, if we could, if you told me that I'd get the first one of those two options in the NFL every snap, then I would be all about Seth Williams. But as a result, I've, I've bumped him so far down, but yeah, the, those results were, were positive for him. I think. Yeah, I definitely positive. Like I said, I definitely think he helped himself uh, a lot with those results. And um, also friend of the show, Brandon. Hey, I don't remember how to pronounce his name. I know I butchered that. Sorry. If you're listening, Brandon, um, he wrote a really nice article um, on Seth Williams as well, that I think highlighted some of the, some of the finer points of his like route running and some of the technical side of things and the film side as well. So, um, you know, definitely check that article out. So for, for a little bit more of a rounded profile of it, but yeah, I, I like, I like Seth Williams. Um, he's, he's a guy who's definitely stock up there for me. Uh, but who was, uh, who was somebody else that you thought helped themselves here? Oh man. So I, I think Kylan Hill helped himself a little bit. And this isn't like I don't. I still don't even like Kylan Hill, but I think his pro day was um, a little better than I thought it would be. You know, four five one, um, 40, 36 inch vert, twenty two reps on bench. He he had a very well rounded day, which then just takes me back to the the first question you have on him is like, well, okay, why didn't he? Why was he never able to put this together consistently on a football field? I see the same like six clips of him showing off his athleticism or his, you know his ability in open field. And then there, there's the reason there's only those six clips because there's literally no other, you know, instances of him doing it. Um, so I think it's a little bit of a red herring, a little bit of a mirage on on his part. I still don't like him before, you know, I think he's like a, I have like a mid to late day three pick uh, grade on him for the NFL purposes. And I have, I think I have a fourth round rookie draft like for, for dynasty grade on him. I just don't, I don't, I watch him and I'm like, this is a guy that will hang around the NFL for a few years but I don't see any 
anything that makes me think that he's going to be any sort of a guy that I want on a fantasy roster, or at least, you know, that I wouldn't ever want to actually have to play him. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of torn on him because there were times where he looked good. Like you said, you can find like a couple clips of him where he looks really good. And he did check a lot of the boxes off here, you know, athletically and size wise that you're looking to see, but yeah, he's a tough eval for me too. I think I'll probably I would be interested in him probably looking or starting around like the late third, early fourth. Um, but I, again, I think somebody else might take him earlier than that, just because you know he kind of has a name value in, in Debbie circles. He does. Yeah, I inherited a, a Debbie team last year that has him on it, and I'm just like I honestly probably this week we'll try to move him now since he had the nice um, the nice pro day just to get rid of him. Yeah, I mean that's that's another thing too with some of these, you know, results here where you know somebody who's you may not love has some good results. You know, you can go out and present a, a selling opportunity, or some other guys who you know don't do as well um, that you do like. You know, it presents a buying opportunity. Um, so that's really what I use these pro days for. Is like everybody has some like recency bias. So you know, if there's a guy that I want who doesn't do great. Um, as long as I feel real confident in him, like I'll try and go out and buy him right now. Uh, but you know, well, the other guy that, uh, was pretty big stock up for, for me was Travis ETN. Uh, and like I said, measuring that two fifteen threshold, it, that was, that was big. Um, cause that's about the size that you're looking for now when you're looking at a three down back, um, you know, his best comparable on player profiler is DeAndre Swift, Miles Sanders, Felix Jones, Roy Hulu, and Lamar Miller are all in that cluster there for him. So, you know, now you're looking at some dynamic guys, but guys who also show the the ability to have, you know, more of a three down skill set. Um, you know, and then he coupled that size with, you know, a four four one forty yard dash, which 87th percentile there. Uh, he also had a 128 inch broad jump, which is a 93rd percentile. Uh, his vert was only 33 and a half inches though, uh, 33rd percentile. So not great, not bad, but when you're combining the size and an athletic profile with his production profile, uh, you know, being the ACC's all-time leading rusher, I think you're going to, I think you're going to start to hear some like back end of the first round buzz NFL draft wise for him. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if he gets drafted before Najee. Have you heard the rumors about him um, having no discipline when it comes to diet and things? I have not. That maybe it, that's why he put it on that weight. Yeah, <laughs> it scares me a little bit. I have someone was saying like his first year on campus or something, all he ate was like, I want to say it was Popeyes or it was a place like that that they said that like he would go to for like every meal. And like that, that is, those are the stories about some of these guys that's really, really, really scare me. Because it's information that, like, if that's, you know, if someone, you know, a teammate or whatever doesn't come out and say that, like, we have no idea. And so we take him, you know, 110 in a rookie draft, and he's out of the league three years later, and he looks fat at least. Yeah, and we're like, ah, shit. And it's because we would have had no access to that information. So it was nice to hear that. It it gives me a little bit of pause. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I'm going to end up with any Travis Etienne, to be honest with you, in, in any of my leagues, because I think he's going to go just way earlier than what I'm comfortable taking him, especially given the dearth of running back options now and in this class um, and how deep the wide receivers and quarterbacks are. So I, I'm probably not going to end up with Etienne, but I, it is still a stock up for me. 
Yeah, uh, I think I, th- I mean it's fair. I, th- I mean he answered a lot of those those questions, but um, that was maybe just a, a not tidbit best, that I'd heard. <laughs> maybe not the best weight that he put on there. Yeah. Um, but we'll uh, we'll move into who hurt themselves the most here with their combine pr- or pro day performances here, and uh, I'll throw this one over to you here to to start this one off. There, so I, cause you also put the question here of like, who's moved in your rankings based on their pro day. And my answer is nobody because I, it literally affects nothing that I do. So there's nobody here that really hurt themselves. You know, were there people that maybe didn't meet the expectations that I think not only myself, but a lot of other people had, uh, yeah. And so I put Warren Jackson down as my first answer here. And, um, you know, I didn't expect him to be some sort of athletic monster, and I don't think that's really necessarily his game anyway. So, like I said, you know, the expectations weren't that high, but I think somehow he still managed to underperform them, at least for me, slightly. A unofficial four six seven forty, a four five three shuttle, and a seven point eight one second three cone. Now, the RAS, the relative athletic score guy, Mister Math Bomb, has a card up here on Twitter for Warren Jackson and he graded literally the only thing booing his RAS score is that he's super tall and weighs 219 pounds. He's 6'6, 219. And he is, he grades out at a 9.98 out of 10 in height and a 9.24 relative weight because he has a point, a point nine, uh, a grade on his shuttle and a point zero six on his three cone, and his forty was really really bad. Eden, like I said, it, this this is kind of a whole DK Metcalf thing again, where maybe everybody freaks out a little too much about the three cone or whatever. But like, this is beyond bad. Like this is this is really 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 bad. And for a guy like I don't think he's bulky enough to bulk up the tight end. And I just think with his athletic ability, I seriously question his ability to play wide receiver in the NFL. I will never say that on Twitter because his family is all over that joint and they will be all over my ass as soon as I say that. Um, and Felix has developed some goodwill with his family. So I'm not going to go blow that. Um, but like there's, I'm not touching this guy anywhere ever. I mean, this, this that's scary, scary stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty much, I'm pretty much out on him too. That was definitely a good stock down there. Um, but yeah, again, not, not going to say it on Twitter. Um, because there's some players that are definitely more active in searching their names than others, and we'll leave it at that there. Uh, but my uh stock down is is another guy who just had very poor, very poor athletic testing, uh, and that was Demonte Coxie. Uh, he ran a 47740, which is a first percentile. And you don't have to be a blazing fast guy, a wide receiver. Like, you know, there's some very productive guys who run like mid to high four fives, you know, even some guys who run like a four six, like, you know, you could be productive at there, but man, a four seven seven is just rough. And then he backs that up with a four, four, five short shuttle, which is 10th percentile and a 31 inch vert, which is fourth percentile. So you know, I think it's really tough to succeed with that low athleticism, like you were saying before. So I had Demonte Coxie as my number 53 rookie. Um, oh, and then he opted out of the year too. So, you know, we didn't even get to see him play this past year. But I had him as my number 53 rookie, but I think he's pretty much completely undraftable now. You know, at, at number 53 in the rookies, like he was probably not going to get drafted but at that point he's like a priority add on free agency if you didn't have any picks but 
I'm pretty much out on him now completely. Yeah, he'll move below guys. Um, I had him at wide receiver 25 and kind of, you know, like Tyler Vaughn's, Marquez Stevenson, Jonathan Adams were some of the guys around him. And he's going to drop way below those guys. He'll drop below, you know, the next couple of guys, Tariq Black, Shy, Shy Smith, Nico Collins. Um, he'll, he'll drop from but below all those guys because, I yeah, that's not an athletic profile that I'm going to bet on. No, absolutely not. Um, so who was uh, – well, th- this this next one for you is, is going to be interesting here. So I'm, I'm, I'll be interested to hear the uh, – here are your thoughts on the next guy who hurt themselves the most and then uh, watch out on your mentions. So I'm, I'm fully acknowledging that, that this person didn't actually hurt their stock at all because they, they, this was inaction and I think it was almost expected inaction. And I think at this point we've all become desensitized to this, this player and what this, this issue that I'm about to speak on. The fact that Devonta Smith refused to weigh in leads me to believe that he is nowhere close to 170 pounds. I'm sorry, but if he was actually 170, like he claimed he was, he would have got his ass up on the scale. He would have weighed in at 170, and then he could have just said, okay, I'm not testing at all. What he really should have done is he should have just eaten burgers for the last three weeks, got up to 175, hopped up on there, made everybody happy, then walked away. Say, I'm not going to run or anything, but just to prove to you guys, here I am, 175. Ha, 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 ha. He couldn't even do that. He wouldn't get up on the scale. So it leads me to believe that he's not 170 pounds, that that's a total crock of shit. And <laughs> like, so how much does he weigh? Like that really, really raises that question in my head. You know, he's still you know, that top four or five guy for me in this class. But you can say like, oh, Chad Johnson played at 170 his whole career. You can talk about all these kinds of things all you want. But like if people want to comp to Marvin Harrison, Marvin Harrison weighed in at what, 181 at his pro day or his combine or something like you can, you can force feed a kid for a week or two and bump his weight up a little bit and then just knock it right back down. The fact that they were not willing to do that, it just totally blows my mind. Yeah, like that's the one thing where there was no athletic testing questions with Devonta Smith, so he didn't need to do that. He didn't need to answer it. The biggest question for and and I don't know how much of a question it is for NFL teams. Obviously, we none of like we don't have NFL circles at all that we're in or anything like that. I haven't heard any NFL guys like knocking Smith for his weight. Really, like a lot of people seem to be fine with that as far as like NFL media guys go. So I guess I don't know how much he needed to weigh in, but man, like like you said, like his one question is weight. Doesn't need to doesn't need to do any athletic testing. He said, just put on bad weight for, you know, a week before the combine. Like if he wants help putting on 15 pounds of of bad weight, like, (laughs) let me know. Let me know. I could put that on easy. (laughs) I struggle to, I struggle to keep off 15 pounds of bad weight. So, you know, I think, uh, I, I think that is a big question mark there for him. It's like, how much does he actually weigh? Because if he does weigh 170, and that's what everybody's expecting him. What does he have to lose from yeah, stepping just on get the up scale? And do it. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, that that decision, whoever whoever's told him to, to do that, or the other thing is maybe he's not capable of giving that getting that far above one seventy. Like maybe he's just one of those people that's just like a scrawny ass dude, and like that doesn't necessarily bode that well either. I mean, like I said, I love his ball skills. You know, great at the catch point, great route runner. He won the Heisman this year. You know, there, there are a lot of things that I really, really like about Devonta Smith. I just don't know why 
he has almost pers- himself made this an even bigger issue than it probably needed to be by refusing to participate in any of these things along the way. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, he's not going to move down for me. Like, I'm going to keep him where I'm at, which I'm, I'm pretty sure I don't have my rankings up in front of me. I'm pretty sure I have him at wide receiver five. Um, so I don't think he's going to move down for me at all. Like, I still like his skill set, but now you're really betting on him being an outlier from a weight standpoint. And it's, you know, it that's tough to bet on somebody being an outlier, kind of like Rondale Moore's height. You know, I like Rondale Moore a lot. He's my wide receiver three. I don't think he's going to drop because of his five, seven height, but now you kind of have to bet on an outlier. And now that makes things a little bit more risky. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> uh, but my, my last guy who hurt themselves uh, was uh, Jarrett Patterson. Uh, and that was him just, just his height coming in at five, six and a half uh, second percentile. Um you know, and I think the only reason it's not first percentile is because I think Tariq Cohen's five six. I was about to say, who's smaller than him? Like, damn. yeah, I think five, yeah, five six. It's like Tariq Cohen. Um, you know, and then his weight was one ninety five, which for five six and a half, like that's fine, but still pretty light there. Um, but then not only that, like he did not test well as an athlete either. Four five four forty, which hand timed so. You know, you're probably looking at closer to like a four, five, nine. Um, you know, that's four, four, five, four was 48th percentile. He also had a 30 inch vert, which is seventh percentile. So I think now you're looking at best case scenarios for him is Dion Lewis, who was five, seven, 193 and ran a four, five, seven, which like that's fine. Dion Lewis had an okay year that one year where he was usable. And then after that, he pretty much fell off the face of the earth. And then you had Lance Dunbar, uh, who cl- uh, measured in a 5'8", 191, and ran a 4'5", 2". So those are his like going to be his best comparables. Those are going to be the guys that you hope he hits. So do we want that? I don't. I don't want those guys. Yeah, if I have to pray that you're Lance Dunbar, <laughs> things are probably aren't looking very good for you from a... You know, you might have to you might be thinking about a different career at that point. Yeah. So he's gonna he's gonna drop down down my rankings. Um so I, I'll have to figure out exactly where I want to slot him in. But like I said, it's, it's not all about the athletic testing. Um, I'm not putting a ton of stock in these, but like the guys who are moving either just absolutely bombed these pro days where you're like trying to set up in like pretty much the best environment possible for you to put up good numbers. Like it's not even combine uh, numbers. So if you bomb your pro day athletically, like that's a flag. And then some of these size flags, like Jared Patterson, like that's just, that's just tough to come back from. So, I've always, I've always thought the pro days in the combine are kind of like a job. They're a job interview. Yeah. The equivalent of if I show up to a job interview in a, you know, a Benny Hanna shirt, <laughs> <laughs> like I failed the interview before I even started talking um, because of what I'm wearing, you know, likewise with some of these guys, if you show up and you, you know, you've had months to train and you run super slow, like you don't do well on anything. Like, what were you doing? Like when you, when you go you, the last few weeks, like, <laughs> do you want to be an NFL player? Like I doubt it. You know, if some, if I show up to that interview for, you know, as an attorney, they'd be, you don't want to be an attorney if you're dressed like that. It's the same it's the same thing. So that's, I've never really, you know, I don't use combine or um, 
you know, any sort of metrics like that, you know, athletic measurables in my grading, but I just, you know, I, I'll totally drop the crap out of guys if they show up just completely unprepared to do, um, you know, the, the thing that they are there to do. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, like, like you said, it's a job interview and it's, you know, you have to check minimums on this box. Like, so I, uh, in college, I worked at Reebok, uh, the athletic apparel store. And the, the guy who hired me was like, yeah, he's like, I was ready to hire you on the spot because you showed up wearing a polo and khaki pants. He's like, most people, he's like the person who showed up before you was wearing like tattered paint covered athletic shorts and a tank top and flip flops. He's like, so he's like, you were, he's like, you were, uh, he's, he's like, you were about to be hired pretty much as, as you came in the door. He's like, provided you didn't, you know, bomb this interview. You paid that guy <laughs> to show up looking like that didn't you? to make you look better. You were like, Hey buddy, I'll give you 10 bucks to go in there dressed like this for this interview. <laughs> <laughs> hey, not a bad strategy. Actually, if you want to make yourself look good in comparison, it just seems like that scene in Step Brothers where they show up just in those tuxedos <laughs> to like, you know, work at a sports store and it's janitors. And you're the one who showed up at a, to a job interview wearing a, a tuxedo that requires you to clean toilets. Or I flipped that the other way, but yeah, I butchered that line. Yeah. So that's that's essentially what this is, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so is so I know you said there wasn't really anybody who changed in your rankings that much. Is there? Um, you know, how, so, I mean, there's definitely a guy that, that has changed in my rankings and he's a guy that I touched on a little bit earlier, but he's not anybody that I said even hurts himself the most or anything like that. So, um, with nobody really changing in your rankings, I'm assuming you're not really putting a ton of value on this. No. Um, <clears throat> I know we just talked for an hour about it. So now I look like a dick. Um, the one, <laughs> the one caveat I will say, and this really, really hurts me to say, I can't believe I'm saying this in a place where it's like going to be recorded and people can go back and listen to it. <clears throat> so I don't worry about Ronda Moore's height personally at all. I think we've already seen what he's going to do at that height. And it doesn't, I, I really, really like it. And I think it translates very well to the NFL. What I do worry about is the NFL cares about it. And if he falls out of the second round, then I think he drops a spot or two for me in my ranking just because I think the NFL shows by doing that that they don't necessarily that, that it concerns them. And you know, at the end of the day, we can love these guys for fantasy all they want, but all we want. But if they, you know, the NFL doesn't value them, then how are they ever going to get value for me? You know, it that's an uphill battle at that point. Um, so I will say that. While nobody has moved in my rankings, that Rondale will move to wide receiver three for me if he goes outside the top two rounds, and if he goes really late, then obviously we start having a difference. Yeah, right. Yeah, as long as, long as he goes on day two, he's going to stay inside my top five. Yeah. Um, if he goes round three, I'll probably drop him down behind Bateman, who I have at four. Maybe behind Smith at five, it'll depend because I like all five of those guys. So, you know, you have to have something separate those guys and that could potentially, and it's more about the draft capital, to be honest with you. Like you said, that would be the thing that would drop him for me. So, but you have to have something separate it. Yeah. I mean, um, I totally love, oh, he, he roasted that Ohio state defense Yeah, and that team had, First, second, third round draft picks across the board. And he may just made them look like garbage for that entire game. 
as a true yeah, freshman yeah. at five seven. Like I, I I don't have a question as to whether he can do it. It's just whether the NFL thinks he can. Watch like the joke is going to be that he falls like the fourth round and Kansas City takes him and he absolutely tears it up there. Like yeah, and then everybody else looks like an idiot. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, my my biggest concern with his height um, is what role is the NFL going to see for Like the team that drafts him, what role are they going to have him play? That's my biggest question. I think he'll he's pretty at that height. He's pretty much exclusively a slot. Which before that, like I would have said, like I think he could play on the outside. I think he has the skill set to do it. Like I think he can do that but now i think he's probably exclusively going to be a slot guy i do agree with that yeah i don't think i no longer think that he's um as versatile um you know scheme wise and everything as i did before just because again i don't think an nfl team will think that he is no it's really tough to put a five seven guy on the outside yeah yeah like steve smith was five nine and that's the kind of the guy that everybody wants to kind of comp rondale Moore to and like I said, that's still two inches of height difference. That's that's a decent height difference there. Yeah, yeah so. it is. Yeah, I agree. Uh, but the guy who's who's probably going to fall the most here in my rankings, um, like I said, it's a guy that we touched on a little bit before uh, when I was highlighting some of the news, and that's Ramondre Stevenson. Uh, now he checked in six foot two thirty. Two thirty is a little bit heavy, but it's nothing crazy. Um, you know, the thing that concerns me the most is his athletic testing numbers. He had a 31 and a half inch vert, so that's 13th percentile. He had a broad jump in the 11th percentile. So now you're looking at a low burst score from a running back. He ran a 46340, 17th percentile. Uh, he had a 12th percentile short shuttle. So even his weight adjusted speed score is probably going to be fairly mediocre. So I think it's just really tough to succeed with those measurables. Now, people are going to point to Le'Veon, who was 6'1", 230 when he came out. He ran a 4'6 flat. But Le'Veon lost a ton of weight between his rookie and sophomore seasons um, yeah, in the NFL. Did. And that's where he was mostly successful was when he lost a lot of that weight. And... um Le'Veon had a 92nd percentile agility score and was an excellent receiving option even coming out of college so that's not something that stevenson has in his game so i don't think that they're going to be very good comparisons now if stevenson loses you know 15 pounds you know now 10 15 pounds now we can start talking about that um potentially but he's still not as agile and not as good of a receiver as Le'Veon. so i still don't think that's a good comp at all but now you're kind of looking at his best comparables being Elijah Hood, who was six foot two thirty and ran a four six zero, and you know Trey Madden, who ran, was six foot two twenty three and ran a four six one. I don't know who that is. Yeah, Trey. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I don't know who that is. Steve Madden. No. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. I don't remember who Trey Madden is either. When I looked it up. I was thinking of um, who was the running back from Georgia. I think it was Georgia, but he went to the Rams before Gurley was there. Trey, and he had like a good year, and then they drafted Gurley, and everybody forgot about him. Mason. Yes. That's who I was thinking of, but I was like, that doesn't seem right. And then Trey Madden 
Um, he went to, I believe it was USC. So I don't remember who Trey Madden is. Trey Mason went to Georgia. I thought so. I didn't know that. I, I I'm not doubting you. I'm just like I was. You well, said that. And I was like I didn't know that. Now I gotta look it up. I don't think he did. Oh, it was Auburn. He went to Auburn. That's right. As I said, Trey Mason, UGA. I typed that in and it wanted to autofill as Uganda. So that was clue number one. But I don't <laughs> think he went there. <laughs> he went to Auburn. Um, but uh, actually, apparently, uh, Trey Mason went missing in 2015. I do remember that that, that <laughs> yeah. story. <clears throat> um, yeah. Anyway, so now with Ramondre Stevenson, like those are not good comparables. The athleticism's poor. He's not a particularly great receiver. Like I think he's fine, but you know I don't think he's great at it. So now he's probably going to drop behind, at least as far as running backs go, Trey Sermon. He's going to drop behind Michael Carter, Jamar Jefferson, um, JV and Hawkins. So you know, then that's just a running back. So he's probably going to fall about ten spots in my rankings. So you know, that's enough to take him from where he was at. It's like an early, like an early to mid second, probably mid second. It's probably going to drop him down, down to like an early to mid third. No, I think that's fair. Um, I, I will say that his his results were very concerning, um, and they honestly didn't really, um, they didn't really get that big of a lot of a lot of people weren't really talking about it. I, no. I'm not sure why. Maybe he just wasn't really on, you know, thought that highly of beforehand by the majority of people. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I I had just traded for him in a C2C league. Um, he wasn't the centerpiece of it. Jermaine Burton was, and this was a little bit while ago. Um, but I wanted Ramondre Stevenson in that deal, and this was probably, I think it was like back in January. I remember that trade, yeah. yeah wow, but the Jermaine Burton part is looking really good right now. It, it is. But Ramondre Stevenson, not as good. <laughs> you know, you win some and you lose some. Yeah, yeah, true. Always in trades, win and lose. Um, but all right, I think that's, uh, I think that's going to do it here for the show today. Um, you know, we, uh, if you haven't checked out the campus life from this week, that was a good one. It was the, uh, it was our RB ranking summit, uh, where we talked about our top 10, um, Debbie and C2C running backs. Uh, then we did the, uh, exclusive content for anybody who's a subscriber where we went way deeper, as far as our running backs, we talked about Master Teague, who I think was like 109 for Felix, or was it Matt who had about 109? I haven't. I have him in the 80s or 90s. I'm pretty sure. So yeah, we none of us have him particularly high. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we were going pretty deep on that show there. So um, you know, if you like the deeper dives and you know you want access to some of our deeper rankings, definitely subscribe to uh, on, on our site uh, campus2canton.com. Uh, sign up for a membership there. You'll get access to all of our rankings, college and pro, uh, as well as some exclusive podcasts that we put out from time to time, like the ranking summits. You get access to um, tape breakdowns from Matt Bruning. Tonight, he's doing Grant Gannell. Um, you know, hop in the Discord too. We're always talking in there, always bouncing trades off of people, project evaluations. Earlier, also, we were talking Mighty Ducks and Darkwing Duck, too. So there's some nerd talk going on in there. Uh, it's just a great community that we have built over there in, in, in the Discord. So if you like us, you like our content, you know, definitely subscribe to the site. Hop in the Discord. Uh, we're also very accessible in there, too. You know, you can talk to us about pretty much anything. So, um, you know, if, and then also 
uh, wanted to mention the giveaway that we're doing uh, for the Travis Etienne jersey. Austin, have you gotten any new rate and reviews? One or two. Um, someone messaged me the other day with one. Um, I've gotten zero. So, yeah, I mean, it's, I think the list is after we take off, you know, Felix and Matt and those guys are no longer eligible to win. Right. So they remove all those guys from the pool. There's maybe 22 ish names or something like that. So, not yeah. still pretty good odds when this Travis Etienne jersey uh, before he blows up. Yeah. Literally, or, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're not, yeah, either you're way. Not, you're not doing the best endorsement here. So, uh, rate and review the podcast. Um, Apple Podcasts is where you do. Most of that, I think Podcast Addict uh, is the other place that allows for reviews. Um, and basically, if you don't have an Apple, it's a lot harder to find it. But I believe Podcast Addict is where you can rate and review. If you do not have Apple products like I don't, you know, do that before. Uh, we're probably going to be looking to give this away in probably like the next week or two. Um, we've been yes. talking about it for a little bit, but we'd really like to get some more rate and reviews in. So please do that. Um, please, if you do that, DM me at C2C Decker. You can DM Austin at Debbie Dietz. Uh, you can send it to our email address, campus2canton at gmail.com, the number two there. Because uh, I said we're going to give this away soon. And, you know, you have a one in 22 chance of winning it right now. I don't know how much better odds you want for winning a free autographed. Jersey of the ACC's all-time leading rusher. But I think that's going to do it here for us tonight. Um, you know, Be on the lookout for the Campus Life coming uh, on, I believe we're doing that one Sunday night. We have an exciting guest coming on. Uh, so stay tuned for that one. But as always, I'm Colin. I'm Austin. And thanks for joining us.